0: Welcome to the City Life Lansing podcast. You are loved, you belong, and you have a unique purpose from God. You can connect with us at CityLifelancing.com. You belong here. Here's today's message. How we doing this morning? We doing good? God is still on the throne. He's still good. We have air in our lungs. And so we're just grateful to him. We're thankful to him for everything that he's doing. Uh, in us and here at City Life. Uh, I'm grateful uh, for those that don't know me. uh, My name is Ron Caldwell and I am a drummer here at City Life. Um, I've been ministering since 16 and God has been faithful uh, in every area of life. And so we welcome you um, for the uh, volunteers that are in the room and then you who are with us online. We just are grateful to God for you. We are in our dream series, uh, and we're talking about dreaming so big that God takes notice. Now, today, I want to walk through the scriptures, and we're going to talk about what happens when the dream is so big, so far-reaching, that God himself must give it to us and sustain us through it. Last week, Ryan talked about uh, God's timing and that we need to be content in our lane and enjoy the season of simmering. Today, I wanna, I wanna take a step further and talk about Joseph and what happens when a God-sized dream has God-sized detours. God-sized dreams and God-sized detours. Our introduction to Joseph is that of favoritism by his father, and his, the hatred of him by his brothers. Joseph was the son of Jacob, or Israel, and he was born to him by Rachel. Now, for those of you that don't know, if you are not familiar with the story, Jacob had multiple wives. Rachel happened to be his favorite. And so with that, the son that he had with her, he showed favoritism to him. And with that, he gave him a robe of many colors, which typically was symbolic of the privilege of the firstborn. So you can see how that could make his brothers feel a certain way. To add insult to injury, Joseph had two notable dreams that he shared with his brothers and with his father. The first is found in Genesis 37 and 7. And he said, there we were, binding sheaves of grain in the field. Suddenly, my sheaf stood up and your sheaves gathered around it and bowed down to my sheaf. Interesting. Then the second one is found in Genesis 37 and 9. Then he had another dream and told it to his brothers. Look, he said, I had another dream. And this time, the sun, moon, and the 11 stars were bowing down to me. So his father kind of rebuked him when he heard that. And then his brothers only increased their hatred of him the more. His brothers were jealous because of the dreams that he had, but his father considered them. So where am I going with this? What does this have to do with having a God-sized dream? How does this play into dreaming so big that God takes notice. Sometimes the dream is not born from us. Sometimes the dream is born from God and given to us. Now, let me qualify that. In Nehemiah, Nehemiah had a passion for rebuilding the walls of the city. And so Nehemiah, out of his burden, gathered together He had the favor of the king, and he was able to go forth and rebuild the walls. But then there are those dreams where angels come. The Bible says that the angel of the Lord came to Mary when she was going to birth Jesus and told her that she would birth a son and they would call him Emmanuel, God with us. And so there are some times where we have a dream that's born out of a burden. And then that dream comes into fruition like that of city life, where we have a burden for the city and we want to see the city redeemed. And then there are those dreams. Where late at night, you're not able to sleep and you're wrestling with God and God begins to give you a dream. God gave Joseph a dream which we know were prophetic. And so we have the ability to look back and we can see what's happening, but he didn't know that. He wasn't aware of what was happening. And God gave him this dream because he wanted to give him a grand destiny. In Jeremiah 29 and 11, we see that God has a plan for us. For I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. Plans for your well-being, not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. And even in Luke 12, 6 through 7, God remembers the sparrows. It says, aren't five sparrows sold for two pennies? Yet not one of them is forgotten in God's sight. Indeed, the hairs of your head are all counted. Don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. Can't we take joy in that today? That God not only has a plan for us, but even the very hairs of our head are numbered. You're worth more than many sparrows. And indeed, that plan, that purpose that God is giving you is one of an expected end. We'll see how that plays out. Joseph didn't know it at the time but he would have many unexpected detours before he got to his destiny. And indeed, it's indicative of the fact that we too, on the way to what God has for us, on the way to what God is trying to do through us, may have some detours. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Where it seems like you're going one way and God is telling you that this is what's gonna happen in your life and you're so excited, but then there's this detour. You and I must learn that God will show us a glimpse of what is to come to keep us moving forward, but he does does not show us the process. I'll say that again. You and I must learn that God will show us a glimpse of what is to come to keep us moving forward, but he will not show us the process. David was anointed to be king when he was very young, but he didn't know all of the things that he had to go through to get to the kingship. And so he's anointed to be king, but then he has to go back to tending sheep. He has a king's anointing, but he still has to go back and serve. If God showed us what we had to go through to get to the destiny, a lot of us would quit. But without the detours, Joseph would never have been prepared to walk in his God-given destiny. In other words, God-sized dreams may have God-sized detours. His His brothers plot to kill him but end up selling him into slavery to the Ishmaelites. And as we read the story from literally from Genesis 37 all the way to Genesis 47, we see how this story unfolds. His brothers plot to kill him, they sell him into slavery. He's then taken to Egypt where Potiphar buys him and takes note of the Lord being with him. And then he's placed in over authority over all of Potiphar's possessions, his property and his land. Potiphar's wife then tries to sleep with him. And when he does not, she lies on him and then he's thrown into prison. This is reading like Maury, isn't it? Then after that, after he's thrown into prison, in prison, God is still with him and he earns a good reputation with the warden and the prisoners and is placed under Joseph and all of the the warden, uh, the warden, the prisoners, everything is placed under Joseph's authority while he's in prison. And see, when we love God, We do not need to be told to avoid sin. We instinctively hate it because we do not want to pierce the heart of God or the one who chose us and set his affections on us. So going back to Potiphar and Potiphar's wife. That that scripture is found. um, And I don't I don't have that. I'm not going to put that up on the screen. But in Genesis 39, eight through 20, we, we see this story and how it unfolds where. She's trying to sleep with him and he thinks about all of the things that he would lose out on. He thinks about God at first and he thinks about all of the, the sin that, and what that would cause. And then he thinks about all of the things that were under his authority. Because remember, he had the trust of Potiphar. He had the trust of him and he was over his possessions and over his land. If he would fall in that sin, he knew that he would lose all of that. But still, God had a purpose and a plan for him in the midst of it. And that's where she still lies on him. He still gets thrown into prison. And even in there, God is with him, and he still has everything under his authority. While he's in prison, he interprets the dreams of Pharaoh, Pharaoh's cupbearer and the baker. The baker gets killed, but Joseph still interprets the cupbearer, and the cupbearer lives, and then Joseph tells him to remember him, and he forgets him in the process. That's very important. Stick a pin there. So he forgets him. He stays in jail. Later on, he gets out of jail and is exalted in Pharaoh's house and over the land of Israel. When he was with his father and his brothers, he was approximately 17 years old. When he came into service with Pharaoh, he was 30. And so 13 years passed when God gave him the dreams and when he actually came into his destiny. Why is that important? Because allowing God's plan to come into fruition brings maturity it makes room for forgiveness and it provides restoration. Jo- Just as Joseph said from Pharaoh's dream, the seven years of abundance. So in the dream, he, he has this dream. He- he's not sure exactly what it is. And when Joseph interprets it, he lets him know uh, through, from Genesis 42 all the way up to 45. He lets him know it, that this, there's going to be seven years of abundance and there's going to be seven years of famine. And they both come to pass. God's dream for Joseph ends up bringing his family to him after two years within the famine. And then after that point, Joseph reveals who he is to his brothers and they're afraid of him. Joseph then shows his maturity in Genesis 45, 4 through 8, where he says, then Joseph said to his brothers, please come near me. They came near and it says, I am Joseph, your brother. He said, the one, the one you sold into Egypt. And now don't be grieved or angry with yourselves for selling me here because God sent me ahead of you to preserve life. He connected the dots of his life and was able to see God's hand in his life every step of the way. If I say nothing else to you, if I say, if you hear nothing else that I've said, remember, nothing just happens. I wanted to recount the story so that you could understand what was happening from top to bottom. Because the reality is, no matter what you're going through, no matter what you're experiencing in your life, nothing just happens happens. As believers, we do not operate on luck. We don't operate on chance. We don't operate on happenstance, but God's providence is active in the lives of the believer so that Romans 8, 28 becomes real for us. For we know all things work together for the good of those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. I don't care if you're in the pit or if you're in the palace in your life right now, God is with you, his providential hand is with you and nothing in your life is happening just by happenstance. Each step in Joseph's life was so intricately aligned. Had he or anyone else intervened at any point in his life, it could have potentially derailed what God's plan was for him. Think about that. Had he not been sold into slavery, he doesn't get to Egypt. If Potiphar's wife does not lie on him, he does not go to jail. If he doesn't go to jail, he doesn't interpret the dream of Pharaoh's servants. If the, and then the cupbearer, he asked the cupbearer to remember him, and the cupbearer forgets him. But had he remembered him, he would have gotten out earlier, and then he would not have found himself in a, in a place where he could have been easily found when Pharaoh has his dream. Is it, is it making sense? If he didn't interpret Pharaoh's dream... And famine overtakes the land. Countless people die, including Joseph and his family. And the promises of God to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob don't happen. And what what was the plan and purpose for Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? Abraham was going to be father of many nations. It doesn't come to pass until Jacob has his children, which are the 12 tribes of Israel. Are you you understanding the, the plan? So what am I saying? The will of God is going to be accomplished in our lives with or without us. Our obedience and yielding, even in hardship, determine whether he uses us or he uses somebody else. I'm going to say that louder for for the people in the back. Our obedience and yielding even in hardship, determine whether he uses us or someone else. So what does that mean? It means that you need to thank your haters just as much as you thank your cheerleaders. Because if it wasn't for the haters, We wouldn't understand truly the plan of God in our lives. Those haters build character. Are you going to cuss them out? Are you going to lean in and listen and then love them in spite of how they treat you? Joseph had a grand plan of destiny, and though he did not understand that plan, he still followed what God had for him, and even in the midst of it, he remained obedient. The fact that God allowed the trials in your life says that you're right where you need to be. I don't know what you're going through, I don't know what's happening, but I do know that you need to lean into the tension. There's some chords that Torian can play, that fit so well together. But once you get into those minor chords, and diminished sevens, and all of these different nuances of chords, sometimes there's tension within the chord. But it's still a chord. There might be tension. It may not sound good. It may not feel good to the untrained ear. But it's it's still a chord. And what God is trying to do in our lives is he's trying to bring us into one accord with him. He's trying to bring us into such a fellowship with him that no matter what comes or goes, we're gonna say, God, I'm going to stay right here. I'm gonna lean right into what you have for me because I know that on the other side of this, there's destiny. So I wanna challenge you today that no matter what's happening, Lean into the tension. You that might be sitting at home and you might be wondering exactly what is happening in your life right now, I dare you to lean into the tension. God-sized dreams have God-sized detours, but you know what? God still brought him into the God-sized destiny. Let's pray. Father, it's in Jesus' name that we come thanking you, Father, for the tension that exists in our God-sized dream. We thank you, Father, that no matter what the dream is that you are giving to us, Father, we want a dream so big that you take notice. And we also want to lean in when those dreams take us on detours. Father, we don't want to derail what you have planned for us, but God, we want to be right in the center of your will. And so we pray today, Father, that you would continue to lead us, guide us, and direct us into the destiny that you have for us. We thank you. We praise you. We give you all glory and honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Let every heart say amen. Amen. Thank you so much, City Life. I appreciate the opportunity to share with you. I I thank God for you. We'll be back next week on Sunday, 10 a.m. and 1130. All races, all faces, all ages, you belong here. We're going to keep loving the city one life at a time, and we won't stop until he makes all things new. God bless you. Have a great day on purpose. Thanks for listening to the City Life Lansing podcast. Loving you and loving the city one life at a time. To get connected, learn more, and invest financially, go to citylifelansing.com. You belong here.